another episode of Jason and Bart Show. Hey, Jason, we have a guest again today. Yeah, we do. We got uh, we got Ernesto Tagworker with us from uh, Ambu Labs this morning. Good morning, Ernesto. Hey guys, uh, happy to be here. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, Big yeah fan, we're super excited. You know, <laughs> Big first fan, time nice caller. You know, <laughs> long time listener, first time <laughs> caller. Yeah, one time listener. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for making the time today. Ernesto is the uh, founder and CTO of uh, Ambu Labs, as you can see on uh, the screen there. Uh, that is Philadelphia's Lean Software Boutique. Um, when he's not spending quality time with his wife and kids or playing chess online, Ernesto likes to run and scale his agency. He is passionate about writing less code, paying off technical debt, and traveling around the world and eating empanadas. Can't can't argue with that too much. Um, mm-hmm. As yeah, I man. mentioned, he does run Ambu Labs. Ambu Labs doesn't want to design uh, and build your idea. I'm going to repeat that. They do not want to design and build your idea. They will come up with a list of excuses to turn you down before you take, before they take your project, excuse me. Uh, when and if they do decide to work with their clients, they will design and build a minimum viable product and quickly validate that it serves their target audience. They're passionate about agile lean methodologies and paying off technical debt. And when they're not shipping new mobile and web products, they offer a set of productized services to pay off technical debt for your JavaScript and Ruby applications. Ernesto, welcome. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be here, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to to talk about like productized services, technical debt, and not wanting to build our customers' ideas. Um. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love uh, sales and marketing from a place of of no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, um, do you really need an app for your, right. you know, pet uh, social right. network? You know, or did your nephew tell you you needed an app? Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, listen, thanks so much for joining us today again, and uh, we're going to talk about productized services, as you mentioned. And before we get too deep into it, why don't you, um, if you could, why don't you tell us a little bit about when you talk about productized service, when you talk about technical debt? You know, is at a high level for the audience? Well, what are we talking about there? Yeah, so when I talk about technical debt, is usually you're running like really old software in your website, your application. Um, it's working and it's fine, but there are a ton of security issues with it. And you know, you might be running an old version of WordPress. Uh, you might be running an old version of PHP, Ruby, Rails, and it's fine until it's not fine and someone finds that security issue and exploits it and basically grabs your database and holds you hostage. So it can be very, very expensive to run outdated software in production. And we work a lot with clients to make sure that they don't do that and they don't expose themselves to unnecessary risks. So our productized services are all about upgrading JavaScript, React.js, Node.js, uh, Rails, and Ruby mm-hmm. um, in a way that helps our clients focus on their product roadmap while we pay off this kind of technical debt. Makes a lot of sense. Um, can you talk maybe in based on your own experience, maybe how you came up with the idea of productizing services at Ambu Labs or um, maybe what owners and operators should uh, prioritize um, when productizing their their offerings. Yeah, I think it came about from just pitching this to a client and saying, you know, 
hey, we're thinking about launching this productized service to upgrade Ruby and Rails versions. And they were like, oh, actually, yeah, we are running a really old version of Rails. We need to upgrade. We know we need to. We just don't have the time, but we have the budget. So the first time we pitched it, it was just like a custom thing. The client was even you know, okay with us saying like, you know, we don't know your application, so we don't know how long it's going to take to upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, wow, okay, clients uh, like this exist, and they're happy to pay money for upgrades, upgrades, you know. And then we're like, how about we just create a landing page and we say we focus on the problem, you know, the problem being like you're running an old version of Ruby and Rails on production. And we can help you upgrade without disrupting your team and kind of save you time addressing this very important problem. Um, so, yeah, it just came from a sales call and then it became a productized service and it didn't take off right away. You know, I don't want to say like, yeah, you just launch a landing page and it just works. You know, it's just no, but that's not how it works. Sure. Um, we definitely invested a lot in content marketing you know, AdWords, uh, sponsored posts and stuff like that. And over the years, it started to work. It started to get the SEO juice, you know, and now it's it's about 70% of our business, you know? Yeah. I, um, well, I mean, we kind of went through the same sort of version of it. Um, I think one of the hardest things is pricing, pricing these kind of services, right? Um, how did you guys go about sort of pricing your services and, 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 you know, what's the sort of a hitch in that? Yeah. And that's the main question. Like someone will ask, you know, they want to upgrade, but of course they have a budget. We all have budgets and we all need to meet our goals. And that, and that's uh, the way we deal with it is um, basically we have a process where we need to estimate like how much time and effort it's going to take us to upgrade. And then, yeah, at the end of the day, it is, uh, it is close to a fixed bid. Like we don't, we don't say like we're gonna ship it between like five and six months, and if we don't ship in it by month six, we're gonna eat the cost. We did that, and I would advise you not <laughs> to do that. And I lost a ton of money like that, so I learned not to do that ever again. But um, lately, what we do is we say if we don't ship it by month six, we'll charge you a discounted rate, and that kind of aligns our incentives with our client you know um but yeah at the end of the day we have been tracking uh keeping track of our estimates keeping track of the effort you know time tracking everything and making sure that we learn from bad estimates and and i think we've gotten quite good at it we're not perfect there's definitely always like a margin of error but um i think the clients appreciate like to know like at least a ballpark of like yeah five to six months and you know x amount of dollars Gotcha. Um, are you still pricing? Are you, I'm assuming you're not pricing on hour or like charging clients hourly. You're just kind of pricing it out on what the upgrade would kind of look like, but still keep track of time that you guys are spending on it. Yeah, we usually do charge per week. So it's kind of like a weekly rate where, you know, we're going to take X amount of weeks and every week costs um about uh six thousand dollars per week uh per senior software engineer so depending on whether they want to go fast or slow you know we'll assign like two to four engineers to their project gotcha that's 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 interesting way of going yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i guess the there is definitely um 
something there to say like to put like a fixed bid and kind of eat the cost like we're just not there yet i would like to get to that point where it's like we will ship this upgrade uh in x amount of time and kind of do value pricing but i don't know it's like the risk associated with that is too high we're talking about like code bases where they're like 40 plus engineers making changes every week and there are just too many variables there that it's not just like, oh, there's a snapshot and this code is not going to change and you're going to be working on the upgrade by yourself and nobody's going to mess your <laughs> with your code. Um, but no, we're talking like about really active code bases with a ton of engineers uh, working on it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're basically just doing sort of weekly retainer on it. Um, and that's probably the best way to describe that. It's telling a client, you know, a weekly rate is this. It's not a bad thing. Right, going value pricing where you're just upgrading and not known, that just doesn't. I don't think that really works out either. Yeah, and we, you know, it's all about process too. So the nice Mm -hmm. thing about productized services is that we have like a very standard process that we follow every single time, and we have been improving it uh, since we started. The the thing starts with a roadmap. So we actually pitch initially an audit to try to understand like our client's code base and work on those estimates before we actually start working on the upgrade. And the audit is a paid audit. So we are not losing any money. Um, you know, but audits are also one. audits are also opportunities for productization. Mm-hmm. And I, right. Yeah. I mean, I think you can definitely, especially when you're working with larger clients or more complex, you know, uh, clients, I think it's it's difficult to productize services for an end result that you don't know yet because you may not have enough information to know what the end product is actually going to be at the end. But what you can absolutely do is productize a your sales part of your sales process and then part of part of your engagement, the beginning part of your engagement process a bit. Right. And that probably gets you more predictable margins to start off the project. Right. Yeah, yeah, and there's also like the opportunity to cross-sell um, other services, right? Sure. We have clients that started as a Rails upgrade, and then it was like, oh, oh, you guys do like staff augmentation? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we do staff augmentation. We can help you with this other stuff too. Um, we actually this year we started offering performance audits, so all the upgrade clients we have had like become potential leads for the performance optimization audit, and. Um, yeah, it's, I just really like the potential and the way that it helps you organize all your efforts, not just, you know, the process of delivering it, but also like mm-hmm. the sales process, the marketing process, the, you know, lead qualification process where it's like, hundred percent. some clients are like, what you're charging 12 grand for an audit. It's like, yep. yeah, it's like $12,000 because we have two weeks of work to try to understand your source code and try to give you an estimate so you know how hard it's going to be to upgrade. And some people are like, there's no way I'm going to pay that. Like I had a budget of $5,000 for this upgrade. And then it's like quickly, quickly, uh, like a really good lead qualifier. It's like, well, if you think this is expensive, I better not tell you how much we're going to charge you for the upgrade because it's going to be like way more. Right. Yeah. I, uh, it makes me very happy that agencies are doing this style of, you know, charging for the discovery and going through this process. We do that. We have a long process. We do two months. It's expensive. It's on like, that's the, like, I, I think some of it. And, and I know Jason agrees in this one, I believe <laughs> is that that's the big strategy. This is where the, 
it's the doctor coming in and figure out what's wrong, right? It's like poking all the holes. Um, and yeah, we're professionals. This is what it's supposed to, and I think we should be charging for that. So I'm, it makes me happy that you do that. Um, in the, in the it also style. makes it like it also gives you the opportunity to demonstrate a tried and true methodology to them early on, right? That's mm -hmm. that's proven because you you were talking about value earlier, but like you also have the opportunity to, if you productize like. Audits and discoveries are great, right? Whether it's performance audits or security audits or accessibility audits or whatever it is, right? Um, I think you've got an amazing ability early on in the relationship to walk into that. In the sales process, you're walking in saying, like, this isn't just $12,000 because we think it's some amount of time times whatever. You have an opportunity to, like, literally get granular about all the things that they get for $12,000 over however many weeks that $12,000 is going to go. So you have an opportunity to prove it. And then once you start getting into the discovery where you're where they've engaged and you're getting paid, you have another opportunity to really get aligned on the softer part of the relationship. Like, how do we work? What does workflow look like? What does communications look like? What do you get? It's not just about, like, oh, let's pull out technical specifications and let's learn what the scope is going to be. Yes, of course, like that's table stakes, but you're also getting to build a relationship through that, through that um, productized period of time where you, the agency know you're going to make your margins because you know how much it costs and you know exactly how much effort you're going to put in, you know, exactly the deliverable they're going to get. And so do they. Right. And I think that, I think that's a huge opportunity at the, at the onset of a project. Hey, Jason, can you just sell that like as a, as a clip? We'll just let you sell to our clients because that's kind of – there you go. That's the pitch. <laughs> that's the pitch. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I, I think, I think uh, you, you addressed – I was going to ask about how do you ensure or how would you suggest for owners and operators to ensure like consistent quality and delivery through productized services? I think you addressed um, the quality aspect of it. Uh, or excuse me, I think you addressed the delivery aspect of it. The quality aspect that I have a question about is how do you avoid, um, for lack of a better better word, kind of like technical laziness around productized services where like once you've established that something is $10,000 and it's going to be 50 hours of work and these are the people who are going to work on it and blah, 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 blah. Like does that $10,000 product ever get better or is it always the same? Yeah, I. It's hard, right? Because yeah, when, once you have the estimates, um, you wanna kind of avoid Parkinson's law, right? And say like, um, you know, right. I, I don't know if people are familiar with that, but yeah, if you say it's gonna take like between five and seven weeks, uh, it's probably gonna take seven weeks because everybody knows, and it's like they're just gonna maybe like work too much on certain things that don't need to work. They they don't need to work so much on that. Um, so I don't know. I think like it, it basically comes down to like the project manager making sure that we're on track and we're actually ahead of schedule because we definitely want to hit that window. Because as I said, like if we offer, you know, the guarantee of like, hey, we're going to charge you a discounted rate is like that means like we're not making any money and it's costing us a ton of money, like opportunity costs and all that. So what we want to do is just make sure that we ship everything in that window um and if we can ship it even earlier that's even better because then that gives us the opportunity to be like to kind of like over deliver you know like under promise over deliver mm -hmm. we're all familiar familiar with that uh, so if we can do that that's great and then we can move on to the next version jump uh, we do like one minor version jump at a time mm -hmm. um but 
one thing I wanted to say, like what about what you said, Jason, is like the awesome thing about like productized services that are very specific about like upgrading a, a version of WordPress or whatever. It's like you're going to see like so many opportunities to pay off more technical debt and like reduce this file to be like smaller or like refactor stuff or mm -hmm. like make it like more efficient. But you kind of have to like block them out and say like, okay, I'm going to like write that down as a thing that they could do. And then like, I'm going to tell them, Hey, you could do this later, but I'm not going to go do it. Cause I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Sure. Um, and I just want to focus on this scope. It's like, is the application running with the latest version of Rails at the end of it? Did I hit the, the deadline? Great. Um, but it kind of, kind of keeps you focused and it avoids the conversation of like, if the client is like, oh, actually, I need you to help with this bug, like fix this bug. And be like, we'd be like, well, we don't do that. That's not part of the scope. Like if we do that and we can definitely help you do that, but it's going to derail the project and it's mm -hmm. going to like take longer to ship the upgrade. But um, it, it does make it easier to have that conversation with the clients. What you're like from that conversation, sort of servicing or how you actually pitching the, the sort of uh, the, the engagement um, and adjusting how you guys do engagements uh, along the way from client to client. Uh, what do you mean? Like, uh, so we, we look at it every time we do an engagement like this, where uh, sort of send it as a thing. We always like, how can we adjust this? How can we adjust the pitch? Are we doing the right things in the engagement? Um, right. You know, is it better? Can we better it? You know, how do we actually deliver that engagement? Basically making it better every time. Um, do you guys go from sort of engagement to engagement when you do that? Yeah, no, we, we have an internal team that works on the tooling and the process and improving this is, is part of their goal. Um, so, and we have definitely like, you know, evolved since we first pitched this, like the roadmap, yeah. like the first time we pitched, it was like, the roadmap is a free thing. <laughs> Here's a free roadmap. I was like, never again. Like the first time some elite took it and was like, okay, awesome. I'm going to do it myself now. We're out of here. <laughs> it's like, right. okay, there's value here. We need to charge for this. Never do it again. Um, yep. And then we got, um, we definitely talked to a lot of public companies that are like huge and have like really, really big Rails applications. And for those clients, we can't really do a roadmap, like the two, two week thing, because it's, it's way harder and it needs, we need way more time. So what we did is we came up with the initial engagement and the initial engagement is more um, active. So we actually kickstart the upgrade project. We do a lot more exploratory work. Um, and it, of course it costs a lot more money because it's about five weeks worth of our time. Um, so that's one thing that came from that is like, okay, for some of these clients that are like public companies, you go and you pitch like a $12,000 audit and they kind of like don't take you seriously enough. So it's like, okay, we need to invest more time. So it's more like a $50,000 initial yeah. engagement. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we, we definitely like learned from this and came up with like better ways to, to service different types of clients um, with smaller or bigger applications. Yeah. At the, at the larger level, you know, you give them a $12,000 sort of engagement. They're like, what is this? This is not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, um, even at 50, they're like, all right, still not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. 
it's something that I learned like uh, you know before I started talking to public companies. Like we we only got there because we were running like a successful productized service, and we had testimonials, and we had like startups that worked with us right. and were happy. Uh, and then like the public companies started coming and being like, yeah, we're running this really old version of Rails. Can you help us? And it's like, yeah. Um, you know, you quickly learn, like if you're pitching like a $12,000 thing to a public company, they usually don't take you seriously enough to be like, yeah, we want to work with these guys. So we were like, okay, we need to charge them more, provide more value. And uh, that's how the initial engagement came to be. Um, and then when we're done with the initial engagement, they can decide whether they want us to continue working on the upgrade or not. And usually they do. Yeah. Do you I mean, this company. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bart. Oh, I was going to say those companies are used to, you know, $100,000, $200,000 like reviews, you know, from Genomas consulting firms. So smaller ones are nicer. Jason. Yeah. No, I was wondering if you track um, the typical percentage that your productized or this is something that people could track and i always think about kpis right but like could you track like what percentage the average productized discovery is of the eventual budget of that discovery of the project that comes from that discovery right so also working with enterprise clients i agree with you sometimes you can you can price yourself too low and, and not be taken seriously but there are times too where it's like Sometimes they also want to hear like not everything that they're asking you to do is a million dollar project, even if they're a fortune 500 company. And it's like, if you can make the case, for example, that, Hey, our methodology has proven over decades that you're going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on this initiative one way or the other. And the way that we bring the most value is if you spend $20,000 or 10% of that budget now, so that you don't wind up spending 50% more on the back end when we, when we get to find, right. And like that, that kind of thing is that, is that, not just that particular metric, but are there metrics that you sort of track uh, to see what the efficacy is, um, not just of the value to the client, but also are you providing the optimal service offering for yourself and your own business? Yeah, yeah, we, we keep track of a bunch of metrics, you know, like to keep track of uh, like the size of the application, um, the number of lines of code of the application, the number of jumps that they need to do. Uh, the number of hours that went into the upgrade projects that we shipped. Uh, we are pretty bad at sharing that information, to be honest. Like we need to like take the time to process it and start sharing it in our in our blog. You know, we um, we do have like a policy of sharing as much as possible, like just being open by default and mm -hmm. uh, just sharing all all these numbers. And then of course, anonymized way to not expose any like client data, but. Um, yeah, we, you know, the, the main question you get in a first call is like, yeah, how long are you going to take to upgrade our application? And then we're like, well, tell us about your test suite. Tell us about all the lines of code of your application. Tell us about your version jumps. Um, you know, you can have that conversation without signing an NDA. So that's nice. Uh, and then we kind of like, you know, extrapolate or we do the math to say like, well, for a similar application that had that many jumps, we took you know, four to five months to do it. So I'm not, you know, don't quote me on this. Don't hold me to this because I, I need to see your source code before I can give you like a better estimate. Um, but that way they get an idea. And then they, of course, are probably talking to other shops offering the sure. same productized service that we do. Although, of course, ours is better than theirs. You know? right. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, at least they get an idea of like um, our track record and, 
we have a lot of historical information that we can share with them and then yeah. they can go to their CFO and ask for budget for that. And I would imagine productized services also allows you to keep cost of sale down and margins up on your work because your ability to turn around prepackaged offerings essentially to clients should be relatively quick. Shouldn't probably, re you probably don't have to rely on a lot of resource depth to provide those things to clients. Um, I'm sure most of it is like templated and in, in your process already uh, to a certain extent. Um, my, my question was around like improvements over time around the services. So, you know, two years ago, you're providing productized discoveries to clients. Um, you're charging, this is not real. I'm making these numbers up, but you're charging $10,000 for the, for the discovery. And that was in 2021. And now it's 2023. And Ernesto being the great owner that you are, isn't just relying on what's worked in the past, but he's sitting in on calls and clients are asking for different things that need to be done now in as part of that productized discovery. What's the methodology that you guys have internally to iterating on your productized services as the needs of your clients may change or as your business needs may change and just in terms of pricing or, or what have you? Yeah, so we basically have a few templates, you know, templates for the process. So we know like every single version jump needs like these amount of action steps. And then we kind of like, depending on the client's application, we decide like which action items apply to their application. Uh, we have a blind estimation process. We have an open source tool that powers the blind estimation process. Uh, we make sure that two senior software engineers at the very least are the ones doing the blind estimation. Uh, we try to estimate complexity. Um, then we translate complexity to effort through our historical spreadsheet. Right mm -hmm. now that's only a spreadsheet that helps us like translate from complexity to effort to time and timeline and all that. Um, and then at the end of the, the process, we also have like a, a set of steps to collect testimonials, collect, collect reviews, collect, um, you know, feedback to make it better. Like where did we do well, where did we fail? And we're very much into this whole, you know, continuous improvement process as in like, did we hit the deadline? Were we like too optimistic? Uh, mm -hmm. What can we do next? Uh, so every time like we ship something, it's like, okay, let's do a retrospective. Let's see what worked, what didn't work. And let's improve the template so that in the next roadmap, in the next upgrade project, we don't miss this one thing that we missed in this one. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a loop of like shipping, uh, you know, selling it or marketing it, selling it, shipping it, then learning from the experience and then improving our tooling and our mm -hmm. process to and our knowledge base to, to make things better for the next one. I don't know if that answers your questions. Yeah, but... yeah, 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 it does. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I had one more, Bart, if it's okay with you. Go, uh, yeah, go. Because he go just touched it. on it. I think it's be important for, I'm, su I'm super interested, and I think the audience might be too, is just how do you market and message product productized services to you know, externally to your clients and, and, and to the market. Yeah, I think what what we did well is like we focus on a very specific problem. So when we have two productized services at this point, one is about JavaScript upgrades, the other one is about Rails and Ruby upgrades. So mm -hmm. 
If you go to fastruby.io or upgradejs.com, which are the landing pages, you'll see that we talk about like problems. So the messaging is more about the problem. It's like, you know, you need to upgrade. Right. Uh, you know, you don't have the time. You have to shift the product roadmap. You need to focus on features and patches for your existing product. And at the same time, you're still like running behind on this. This is only getting like more and more, um, you know, <laughs> older, let's say, um, more and more out of date. So what we like to do is just focus on the problem. And when we do like AdWords, we focus on that. Like people are, are searching for a way to upgrade. Um, and as I said, like we share a lot of articles about like, if you want to DIY it, you can DIY it. You know, we have the articles out there, read them, do it. Uh, but our clients, you know, they don't do it because they don't have the time. Sorry, they don't, they don't do it because they don't know how to do it. They don't do it. Uh, because they just don't have the time. They have like their product managers, their features, their roadmap, and they already have a timeline set, their budgets and all that. And then they're like, oh, shoot, we forgot about up upgrading this version. Right. So then they're like, okay, we have the budget and we have like the will to, to go find someone to do it for us. And every time we do an upgrade, we try to also like improve our client's tooling and improve their culture and their process to... At some point, you know, leave them with pieces of code that will make it easier to upgrade and to stay up to date uh, so they don't end up in the same situation. So that's And are you thing. messaging that value on top of just talking about the relevant problem that they might have? Are you also messaging the value of the solution? Um, yes, but we're not that good about the messaging after the engagement or the transformation app aspect of it. Like I usually mention it in the sales calls. I'm, I'm still participating in sales calls the uh, today. Um, and I try to communicate that. It's like, we don't want you to end up in the same situation in five years, you know? So right. what we see it as like, okay, we're going to leave you with some tools. You're going to, hopefully your team is going to learn from this. They're going to use all these tools to keep you up to date. Um, and then maybe you won't need us for that, but you'll need us for something else like performance optimization or, mm -hmm you know, staff augmentation. That makes sense. Um, last question before we get to the fun part of the show. First of all, I hope you've had some fun with us today. You've been <laughs> yeah. super awesome, like a wealth of knowledge around this stuff. Really interesting. Um, my last question was you mentioned, I think, and I got the, if I didn't correct me, but I think you mentioned like 70% of your revenue is coming through productized services right now. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how that's translating to your profitability? Have you seen a dramatic increase? I would, this is the point of productizing services really is higher margins. I mean, from a business POV, um, have you, have you seen that and what have been either your biggest challenges or your biggest, you know, sort of successes as you've, as you've rolled this out? Yeah, I think we have seen it in the sense that, um, you know, productized services for us started as a way to differentiate ourselves from all the other dev shops out there. And we're like, you know, how can we be more than just a rail shop or more than just a JavaScript shop? Well, we can specialize in this very specific vertical technical debt within these technologies, right? So once we specialized and we started creating content and sharing all that and kind of becoming an authority in the field, then what we could do is like, we started raising our rates, you know, like many, many years ago, we were charging $90 an hour. 
is very low. I was in Argentina. Our costs were very, very low. Mm-hmm. At some point I had to move or I, w- I wanted to move to Philadelphia to with my wife and kid. It's like, okay, costs went up. You know, we need to charge more. We're in the US now. Um, so it's like, okay, we went to like 120, 150. And now we're like between like 180 and 200 an hour for that type of work. Mm-hmm. And we can charge those rates because we're the experts, you know, like there are only a few specialists out there and one of us is them. And then, you know, yeah, our clients can just go find a lower rate and hire a freelancer or hire another agency that can do the work. But we have been investing heavily on a process, on knowledge base, on sharing the content, on marketing and all that. So we can now charge like way higher rates, which definitely has helped with our profitability. Uh, I would say like the biggest thing out of all this is that the whole feast and famine cycle has kind of extended. Like it used to happen like once a year, like famines, famine time, which sucked. Uh, I was actually talking to Bart the other day and now it's more like a two, three year cycle that we're seeing, like where it's like feast and then famine, feast and famine, but it's Mm. a longer cycle because we have way more inbound leads coming because they find us organically find our AdWords campaigns and or ads and stuff like that. Um, so we do have like a lot more inbound leads coming in because they have this particular problem. Well, they're also probably getting a very, they, I would imagine the more productized you can make your service offerings, the more consistent your client experience is as well, because it's a tried and true methodology, right? And I think clients at the end of the day, not that I'm comparing any, any of our services to McDonald's necessarily, but like, you know you're going to get the same french fries in like shanghai as you are in ames iowa right when you go to a mcdonald's and like so you're constantly meeting the customer's expectations you're aligned and you're meeting the expectations and the productization of the services allows you to keep meeting those expectations and i think in client services like that's really the name of the game it's less about like of course your quality of your deliverable has to be great but if you're always aligned with your clients in this in this game uh, there's a lot of success there in the long term right yeah Cool. Right, right. Cool. This was great. Uh, before I ask you the last question of the show, uh, where can people find you? And plug away. Uh, yeah, I guess people can find me. Um, oh, man. I guess I'm now more on Mastodon than Twitter, to be honest. So um, just look for the handle eTacWorker on Mastodon, and I usually post there. Um, or, yeah, on Humblelabs.com is sometimes where I publish some articles. So that's another place. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, and our final question, uh, what are you currently obsessed with? Oh, what am I currently obsessed with? Um, man, that's a good one. I think I'm obsessed with um, business development. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we, you know, Jason and... You, Bart, uh, we've been talking about pipelines being slow, you know, this this dev cycle being weird, like more clients like holding on to their budgets. And um, what we've seen at Umbu Labs is like some of the strategies and some of the campaigns we've had over the years that have been working until end of 2022 are no longer working. So now we're like, 
shoot, you know, <laughs> what do we do? Like the things that we've been doing for the past two years no longer work. So we're like trying to experiment with like new things, uh, offering like smaller, you know, th smaller pitches to our clients and trying to find a way to convert more leads because we definitely have like a pipeline issue and we're trying to figure out like what we can do next so we can convert convert at a higher rate um i don't you know do if you guys can relate like... to that but i've heard like from the industry that there's definitely been like a slowdown in biz dev are you doing that through trial and error or are you doing that through like are you ideating through like are you reading some books around business development or are you watching some or listening to some podcasts around it or, or how are you how are you guys i guess brainstorming around how to iterate yeah, I think we lean heavily on, you know, the Bureau of Digital. That's where we basically found each other. Um, our BizDev coordinator, Barbara, was at BizDev Camp uh, this year and got to hear a lot of, you know, really good ideas from other BizDev professionals, founders, owners, and all that. So we're basically hearing what other people are doing and trying to do more of that. You know, we, we've definitely... Um, you know, for a while, I think it's been like two years where we've just like grown, 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 and we haven't like been able to like hire fast enough. And we didn't really need to try different things because everything was just like working in a way. And now it's like, okay, we should probably like try to reach out to past clients. You know, we never do that. And mm -hmm. like, we have a ton of like clients that are happy with the work we've done over the years. Maybe we should reach out to them and see like if they need like help with something else. Um, yeah. So stuff like that. And yeah, to answer your question, it's more like trial and error. Like we're okay. seeing like, okay, let's try this. And, you know, let's do like an experiment with like 30 different contacts. How did that work? Well, let's try this other thing and see how it works and kind of like try to see what works. Cool. 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 Awesome. Well, Ernesto, thank you so much for coming on the show. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. We had a great time. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, let's do it again soon. You bet. Yeah.